Hey, everybody, how's it going? This is Theology in the Dirt, where we try to put our theology into practice in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. My name is Mitchell Jolly. I'm Sir Chris Alot, or Chris Hayes, as you might call me. <laughs> Sir Chris Alot Hayes. Man, if you don't know that song in the background, you repent and believe the gospel because that's some of the best Sir Mixed there ever has been. Sir Chris Alot. I like it. I think it fits. It does fit. Very good. Man, we appreciate you guys listening to us on Theology in the Dirt, and uh, we're glad to have you with us today. It's an absolutely marvelous day here in Rome, Georgia, where the temperature is fantastic, sitting at about 55 degrees. I'm wearing a sweatshirt and shorts today, which is the epitome of perfect weather dress. That's the way to roll right there. It is, man. It's the best season. It is. It's absolutely incredible. And so we're glad for fall arriving. It's Friday here. Also, uh, it's Friday Night Lights. We got Murray County. It's homecoming. We're favored by like 35 points. My kids should have a monster game. He had a good game last week. He did. He's, he's killing it this year. He's killing it. So it's a, it's a stinking good day, baby. Awesome. And we get to do theology in the dirt. Can't complain, man. This is is the life. (laughs) It's the life. We're glad to do this. It's a lot of fun. We come to you from uh, Global Impact Restoration Rome, our headquarters here in South Rome, where we uh, work in the the city, and we uh, strive to put to practice our theology by making a difference in foster care and adoption crisis in Rome and Floyd County, northwest Georgia, northeast Alabama. Southeast Tennessee, and so that's our that's our aim. And so, our theology is more than just an ivory tower where we talk about theology, but we have striven as a fellowship, as a church, to do something with what we believe. And we're sitting in the middle of it here in an old elementary school that has been renovated, where we provide uh, a framework for partnering with our city to do incredible things. And so, we're recording right here, so we're talking theology in the dirt while we're living theology in the dirt, and that's dang fun. And so today we're uh, continuing our uh going to continue our journey down emotionally healthy discipleship and that's always a lot of fun as we uh unpack some content. But before we do, we need to get to a little bit of breaking news. All right, Chris, listen, man, I'm going to get in trouble today. I've, I've measured and meted myself out here, and I'm not going to do this on the Twitters. I've already done enough on the Twitters, but I'm going to say this right here. The headline that's blowing my mind is our one of our gubernatorial candidates, Stacey Abrams, making a statement on the stage that uh, it's a myth created by men to oppress women that uh, fetuses. I'm going to say fetus because I'm going I'm to give them that. I'm going to say it's a baby, but we're going to say fetus because that's the technical medical terms. Fetus doesn't have a heartbeat. Uh, at, uh, six weeks. six weeks and, uh, and here's, here's what I said, and I'm just going to leave it alone. Um, she's too smart for that. I know she knows better. I know she knows better. She's a highly educated, very intelligent woman. Yeah. She knows better than that. Uh, and so that's the headline. Stacey Abrams makes this statement and she's absolutely rightfully, truthfully being blown up by everybody because it's absolute. It's not, she doesn't know. It's an intent to deceive people who don't know or people who refuse to see. And so that headline is blowing my mind. And uh, I have lots of other things to say. And maybe we need to do a podcast on evangelical world's uh, desire to pick and choose the things they want to be prophetic about and then won't address this issue, which I would say is perhaps the greatest genocide in the history of mankind uh, propagated by its advocation of its own people who are... It's being propagated by people it's hurting. 
And yeah. and uh, so I'm going to stop there before I get myself into deeper trouble. She said that it was a fabricated sound too. When like it was kind of doubled down on it, not just there's no heartbeat, but that like they just installed this heartbeat sound. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. On all, all these machines, all these doctors installed this sound for what purpose? I guess to continue to oppress women. I love that doctors who may or may not agree with the practice of abortion are coming out going, no, that's really a heartbeat because that's what it is. Yeah. And so what this machine does. So if you're listening to this and aren't sure you're convinced about the issue of abortion, just know um, that even the medical world recognize whatever you want to call the fetus, it's a human because humans only produce humans. Squirrels produce squirrels. Dogs produce dogs. That's just kind of the way things work in the biological world. Humans produce humans. So whatever you want to call that little tiny clump of cells um, that's the result of a sperm and an egg being, you know, happening. Uh, it's got heartbeat and and brain activity, brain activity and all those things. And so Stacey Abrams saying that that's fabricated sound is just hogwash and it's deceptive and it's intended to deceive. So if you were unconvinced, you should be convinced now. And yeah. I'm going to stop there. And if you have a headline, we'll, we'll we can move. Forward. Yeah. Let me jump, jump on mine. Cause I could go off on that too. And then we totally missed the point today. So, I, I kind of went a different route um, because there's just so much negative and it's just driving me crazy. But so we have October coming up or maybe if you're listening to it, it's already October. I don't know. But October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, right? Um, a lot of big pushes to kind of create more awareness for cancer research. Um, but I was looking at some numbers and some news recently that cancer deaths overall are continuing to trend downward. Um, now, there's still going to be approximately 600,000 Americans that die from cancer of some form this year. Obviously, that's still way too high. But since 2016, there's been a 2.3% drop year after year. Now, that doesn't sound significant, but it's, I mean, it's going down. And part of the reasons that they're saying that is improved treatments, diagnostics, and increased screenings have really made a big difference. Uh, there are more than 18 million cancer survivors in the U.S., uh, which is about 5.4% of the population, up from 3 million from 1971. That was only 1.4%. So we're seeing more survivors, less deaths. And more awareness of that. Um, the FDA approved eight new cancer drugs and expanded the use of the 10 cancer drugs between August of last year and July of this year. Um, wow. So just hopefully that continues. Um, but just want to raise a little awareness. I think it's probably cancer has touched everybody in some shape or form, whether it's been you directly, your family, or others. But it's nice to know that at least there is, we are seeing some improvements, even if it's minimal. And Hopefully we continue to raise awareness, continue to find the right people doing the right research, getting the right treatments and right drugs to help do that. That's awesome. That is good news, Chris. Thank you. Um, and it may be a place for us to talk about that because I know some cancer survivors that would be glad to come in and talk about that on yeah. podcast That's and good. the spiritual need there. But you know what time it is. Big voice. There he is. gentlemen. May I have your attention, please? It's time for the final countdown. The show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7. I just realized big voice is British. 
I don't think I realized that in his accent before, but dude is not only bad to the bone, he's British. That's why he's so polite. That's why. <laughs> May I have your yeah. attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Well, if you guys ever want to meet Big Voice, you're welcome to come in and sit in with us and participate in the podcast. So he's a good dude. Anyway, I like Big Voice. <laughs> that's my favorite part of the show. I mean, there, there's probably, I hope our content's pretty good, but uh, that's my favorite part of the show. Fun. Well, we're talking about emotionally healthy discipleship, and Chris and I have been unpacking the, uh, some of the content of Pete Scazzaro's book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, and we're not going to do the disservice of Pete because that's cheating and, and, and robbing. I want you to go get the book and, and read it. So we're advertising for the book, Pete Scazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. We would encourage you to go get it, unpack it. I would say read it as an individual. Read it with brothers and sisters in the faith. Um, read it with your family. Uh, it's It's absolutely been solid gold. For me, but what we want to do is piggyback on some of the content and and introduce it to you, hoping you'll go get the book and read it because it's been helpful. And so today we're gonna we're gonna unpack some of the idea, and this is episode number fifty nine. Um, and and it's really the contrast of what Scazzaro talks about is make sure if you're gonna be an emotionally healthy follower of Jesus to follow the Jesus of the Bible, and not a worldly Jesus, uh, a, a culturally produced Jesus. And I I, I love the fact that. Pete um, takes some time to unpack the account in Matthew 16 of Jesus telling his disciples he's got to go to the cross. Now, he's been telling them this um, the whole time. It's not like this is new, and but they've had some ministry success, right? Um, and, and the success is, I'm isogeting here. I'm, I'm, I'm confessing that I'm reading into the text some things. I'm trying to read into Peter's uh, thinking, but maybe Peter has... Then the success is good. Uh, this ministry life is pretty awesome. We're popular. Jesus is doing great things. The Messiah is here. Um, and he's healing people. Cats like multiplying bread and fish. And that's working out pretty good. This is better than the fisherman life. It's not too bad. And and Jesus has gotten, we got to go to Jerusalem. i got to die, boys. And, P- and Peter takes it upon himself to rebuke Jesus. Now imagine what's going on in Peter's heart that, now, it's not that Peter doesn't believe. Peter believes he's the Christ, the Son of the living God. He doesn't fully understand everything yet, so we give him a break. But he's like, no, Lord. No, 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 no. No, no, that's not the plan. And and Jesus' response to Peter is still, it's shaking to me because I find myself being an awful lot more like Peter than uh, imitating Jesus. I imitate Peter a lot more. Peter rebukes Jesus, and Jesus turns and says to him, get behind me, Satan. You've got in mind the things of the world, not the things of God. I think it's not Peter's not worshiping Satan, right? But Peter has been seduced by thought process, a worldview, a picture of Jesus that isn't accurate. While he's following Jesus, mm-hmm. so it, I mean, he had Jesus in the flesh, Chris. Yeah, and while he had Jesus in the flesh in front of him, Peter still found himself seduced by a thought that the cross was not the way. And Jesus turns and he calls that thought, and I think this is important. Jesus calls him Satan, but Jesus isn't telling him he's satanic. Jesus is calling out what he said as having its root in the dark kingdom, and Peter is just the vehicle by which it's coming at the moment. Now, if that can happen to Peter, I know it has happened to me. It, it may be happening to me right now. It may happen to me later today. And so if I'm going to be emotionally healthy, it's imperative that I follow the way of Jesus, not a Jesus of my own making. 
mm-hmm. which may be the distinction between the Jesus of the Bible versus the Jesus my own make. Now I want to make this distinction, then I want you to introduce some of the your observations um about following the Jesus of the Bible versus the Jesus of the world that we create in our own image. Um when we talk about the way of the cross, it is very easy to start assuming we mean that God wants us to be miserable and unhappy and all of us just go die some miserable death somewhere. And that is not what we nor the Bible is saying. What God wants to happen in us is for us to be happy and fully joyous in our pursuit of him and his kingdom under his reign of righteousness, which is the the epitome and perfect environment for human flourishing. So the way of the cross is not a miserable life. The way of the cross is the way of Jesus. Now, that's going to involve difficult times because we live in a place that has been beset by sin, and God is remaking it. But in the meantime, Jesus said, you're going to have trouble in this world, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So what we're talking about by the way of the cross is the way of happiness found in Christ, not happiness found in spite of Christ, if that's a distinction I'm trying to make. So again, we're not saying Jesus is saying, and Jesus isn't saying, go be miserable with me. It's follow me, because in me is life. In me is joy. In the midst of even difficult times. Because there are times in Jesus' walk on this earth when he was physically present with the disciples, there were storms, but Jesus was asleep in the boat. And he said, guys, I'm, it's okay. Yeah, there's storms, but you can rest. I've got the storm. And he could speak to the storm, and the storm had to obey him. And they're like, whoa, who is this guy? And he's same with us. There are going to be storms, but it's Jesus who says, I got the storm. Rest. Take joy. It's okay. And so that's the way of the cross is with Jesus following his way in spite of storms. And, and that comes with human flourishing. Yeah, I think... Uh, I kind of refer to that section on Peter as like entourage mentality, right? You think mm-hmm. of like a big celebrity and how many people are, they just, they, they're following this person and they're doing everything with them, but they're benefiting on the world that benefits from what that person provides through their fame. And, and that's the wrong way to be a disciple of Christ. It's, it's not come along with me so you get all these things because of who I am. It is, but it's not from our, what we think of in that perspective. Mm. It's more of, hey, follow me, help make my name more famous. Mm. You know, and, and, and that, that followership of just kind of, there was a phrase, you know, heard years ago in a video of, of being covered in the dust of the rabbi because, you know, oh, yeah. you know, just you would follow these, these young scribes and they would follow behind. And, of course, they're walking on these dirt roads. So it was, you'd just be dirty. Yeah. And I was like, man, I'd rather, I'd rather be dirty but reaping the benefits of just following the rabbi, following the teacher, as opposed to being out in front and trying to claim mm. some of that, those things that he's claimed. Cause we, we've already been, we're already going to get our reward. Yeah. But our reward is through what, he, who he is not, not a tangible benefit that we just kind of, you know, get off of just being around him with that. Yeah. That no. distinction makes sense, but no, that's good, man. Um, that's solid. Yeah, diving into you know Scazzaro a little bit, talking about the crucified Jesus as opposed to the Americanized Jesus, you know, to kind of put it in our culture. And <laughs> I think I get these images in my head when we're going through books. I don't know if you do that. You kind of picture things, you remember things. So I think back growing up and going through like 
these old churches and they have all these huge like paintings of Jesus or what I like to refer to as Kenny Loggins, Jesus or BG's Jesus. And there's this <laughs> completely white American looking dude with like blow dried, perfectly flowing hair, a perfectly trimmed beard and this like white choir robe looking thing, either use like a blue or red sash, yeah, you man. know? And it's just, I was like, don't feel like that's what he looked like. Right. I'm like, this is a Middle Eastern man who's probably got much darker skin than that. He probably didn't have a very trim beard or, or blow-dried hair. Right. Uh, he was probably dirty, tans, calloused. Carpenter, uh, clearly. Right. right. Yeah. And, and I know that they're kind of trying to partic- portray more of like a Jesus in heaven. Right. Um, and maybe that's it. But it just that's what I go to, and I'm like, that's a, somebody in America or – Western culture, right. just taking what they, how they see him. Right. You know, and that may not be the case. And right. so, um, yeah, so we're just, we're diving into kind of that, that thought process, that dichotomy between, yes, follow Jesus, but follow, follow Jesus the right way and follow the Jesus of the Bible. That's and, right. And who, who he's made out to be. And that's right. I feel like there's just so many churches, especially Western churches that yep. I only talk about Jesus as love and his goodness uh, and how it makes us feel good. And right. like if we trust him, you know, life will be good. Yeah. It'll be and so on. And it's a prosperity gospel in a lot of places. Other places it's just a weak gospel. Yeah. Like there might be truth in there, but we've just just watered it down because we don't want to talk about the hard stuff. Yeah. The the revelate the revelation nineteen Jesus uh comes as a warrior with a sword and his thigh has written on it somehow, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he's got a robe dipped in blood, but it's not his. Mm. That's a Jesus that makes a lot of people super uncomfortable because he's bringing uh, at that final moment, at that time where he fully and finally establishes his kingdom. Uh, It's not a moment of, hey, man. It's a moment of my reign is here. And, and, And the reign of the dark kingdom is over and the blood on this robe is not mine. It's not my people's. It's the enemy's, and that's an un, that's a Jesus that, that makes people super uncomfortable. And it's the it's the it's the one that comes to the end of chapter five of of uh, Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount, where his standard is perfection. You be perfect because God is. Mm. That th- that's the Jesus we're talking about, and 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 so in that there's some clear delineation on following to be healthy. We got to follow that Jesus, the full-orbed, fully revealed, eternal Son of God, not just some worldly version. Scazzaro talks about Americanized version. I'm kind of using the language worldly version. Yeah, the the version Peter wanted to help bypass the cross. There's a better way, right? And so we've got a few things to unpack here. I'll let you go first. Give me one, and then I'll give you one. Scazzaro's got a few things we want to unpack. So tell me what you're thinking. Yeah, I, I think kind of the things that I drew out is so it's easy to talk about Jesus and his miracles and all these great things, which isn't bad. Um, I mean, we should be talking about it, but we cannot ever forget the cross or stop talking about the weight of sin. Um, and, you know, we hear this phrase a lot. There's no good news without the bad news. Right. And like you said, I think it's that, that image of Jesus as wrathful um, that how many times does Jesus say things like, depart from me i never knew you right and, right. and he, often in scripture he's talking about like a faith of a mustard seed it's the it's the narrow way not the not the wide way it's, it's the the road of suffering not this 
beautiful golden brick road of easy success. And so I think we, there's just, there's way too much talk about, Hey, just follow Jesus. Your life's going to be better. And I'm like, you know what? That's not what the Bible teaches at all. I mean, it's easy to talk about Paul's conversion and going and saving people, but we don't like to talk about prison in prison, Paul getting beaten, Paul and singing while he's in prison, worshiping the Lord with joy. Yeah, we like to talk. All oh, the disciples after Jesus left went and they started the church and they were recruiting and they were say, you know, they were doing these wonderful miracles. Man, half of them got crucified upside down or right. murdered, right. you know. And so there is a cost to following Jesus, right? Um, but we have to understand that our view of what's good, our view of, of we, you know, it's not it's not a membership program where hey, I'll follow you and then I get these benefits, right? It's you may not get any benefits. You may be sick all the time. You may lose people. You may your life may look like Job's, right? But if you're obedient, your reward will come. That's right. After yeah. this earth, that's right. That that's exactly right. We're we're promised. I mean, we go all the way back to the beginning of the narrative. The day you eat of it, you will die. So the result of rebellion is death, and the curse of that has spread to all humanity. And until the kingdom is fully and finally established on that last day, we're going to reap the results of, of, of the conflict between light and darkness, mm-hmm. truth and, and lie. And, and we live right in the middle of that. And so Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, I'm the one combating that, and that's going to cost you. But in that cost, there is still life to be had. And that's, that's the um, juxtaposition, maybe the, uh, the, the, this, these contradicting experiential realities in that truth that flourishing in life can be had in the middle of darkness. Mm -hmm. And that's what Jesus promises. That's the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of the world. And so one of the things I I recognize that that Scazzaro talked about, because we want to get specific, kind of a little more granular here. What what does that look like? If we're going to follow the Jesus of the Bible and be healthy versus invite this uh, this fake um, thing that will end up actually hurting us later, having wrong expectations. He talks about the worldly Jesus says, seek popularity. A lot of people come into your stuff, a lot of people liking your stuff, big platform, huge attendance, all positive vibes, all these good things. That's That's the worldly Jesus, the kingdom Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible says reject popularity. Um, and I think in the world of evangelical Christianity, that one right there um, probably challenges all of us because the idea of rejecting popularity just doesn't fly uh, in the face. And this will be one we talk about in a minute of what we consider to be successful. Right. Nobody considers less, more. <laughs> Everybody considers more, better. Mm-hmm. Right. And and nowhere will you find in the mouth of Jesus that in fact you may find the opposite. Um yeah. the only time I think Jesus said more was better is in regard to what we hand him on that day when we stand before him, not for the judgment of our salvation that's settled through faith in Christ, but on the evaluation of reward. I gave you two. Are you bringing me four? Or did you take your one and hide it in the dirt, buddy? Yeah. Right, so that's the only place I can find in Jesus that I think more is better, <laughs> uh, um, and there's probably a few other places. But but in fact, it, it's um, Jesus rejected 
more in popularity. In fact, in John 2, so stark, Chris, so stark for Mm -hmm. me. Jesus turns the water into wine, and it says at the end of John 2, all these people believed in him. If you stop right there and read no more, you don't read the next verse. It sounds like, oh, man, all these people are saved. They're they're coming after Jesus. The very next verse, it's like John's anticipating the response. And he says, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all men. And then you get to chapter 6, and those people who liked the wine also liked the bread. And when Jesus stopped giving them bread and said, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood, they all walked away because he knew them. Yeah. And and he turned to the 12 and said, you want to go too? And Peter's response, I think this is where things really, really shifted for Peter. He's like, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. Peter was sold out at that point. But for Jesus, more wasn't better. It was true is better. Right is better. And in this instance, it was less, not more. And so the popular Jesus, Jesus rejected that. It's like, look at all these crowds. Peter's like, look at this. We've got thousands. And Jesus is going, they don't all believe, buddy. What about you? So reject mm-hmm. popularity. Um, reject it. Don't embrace it. Yeah, we've got to expose and reject every drive to succeed. That compromises our integrity as followers of Jesus. Yeah. It's kind of, and, and here's a key point I found out. Not every opportunity to expand the work of God is actually an invitation from God. Right. That's a good, that's a good, oh man, that's a good point. Because, it, because it's easy to take what we're saying here and turn that into tactically being stupid. Yeah. And then reaping the results of tactical stupidity and calling it the way of Jesus. That's also not what we're saying either, right? Right. Like, don't be stupid and don't do stupid things and don't falsely portray Jesus as just mean. And with a miserable life, because again, that's not what we're saying. Because you can go two ways with this: is turn it into something it's not on either side of it. Yeah, and I think what you just said is is captures that knife edge well. Yeah, you can't slap for the kingdom of God on disobedience and call that ministry or call that obedience. That's not how it works. Right, <laughs> right. right. It's, it it looks good in front of everyone else. Right, you know. But um, right, uh, I, I, this quote from Scazzaro really stood out to me on this this topic in this section. He says, Jesus denounced any activity that had traces of seeking the approval or admiration of others. We are to give up all acting in every quest to be noticed by someone else, whether it be by building a larger or more unique ministry, accumulating more money or possessions, or advancing up a career ladder. Jesus knew the weaknesses of the human heart, and he knew that the desire to impress others would be a constant temptation. Um, and I think, you know, John understood this uh, and kind of you were talking about John earlier and John three twenty seven to 30, he writes, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear, wit- bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase but I must decrease. Wow. Like, man, I wish that's what I was about all the time. Right. Like if I, if we get nothing else from this podcast today, he must increase and we must decrease. That's how to be an emotionally healthy disciple and how to follow the Jesus of the Bible. Right. Because then it's not about, well, how does this impact me? That doesn't matter. Right. Because there's going to be some good and there's going to be some bad. Right. But stay behind. Yeah. Man, that's good. The the continual um, refrain I hear, and, and this is a fight because I just confess my flesh wants to be recognized. I want to be known. 
right? Yeah. And I don't think there's a human on the face of this planet that doesn't want to be recognized. And no, I think that's normal. Yeah. We wanted to be rock stars or yeah. pro athletes or, you yeah. know, we want to be win a Nobel Prize or be on Time Magazine. I don't, I don't think ambition is sinful right if depending on the heart well, in and fact, the purpose in fact the bible demands if and paul paul tells timothy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer it's a noble aspiration it's a noble task mm-hmm. he never calls it a calling it's not a calling so we need to stop using that language it's a noble aspiration it's a noble desire so an aspiration for something can be holy as long as it's in the right place it's directed in the right place and it's if it's the aspiration is to follow jesus and exalt him uh, and stay hidden, that's a noble aspiration. That's a good desire. You should strive for that, work hard for that. But I think that's that's the key is like, what is it? And the thing I keep hearing is stay hidden, stay hidden. And what I keep finding is in the world around us, I think Jesus is judging popularity and stardom. Even some of our heroes that we never thought would fall, we've learned over the past month have fallen. Yeah. Those who preach the Bible most faithfully, um, those who have um, we've looked to as those who would never ever do that have done that, and and I'm convinced I'm convinced Jesus is putting Christians in their place of staying hidden. So I don't think it's our job. I don't think it's my job to be known. If anybody ever knows my name, forget it, please, because I don't want to be on that end of the press. I would prefer to stand on the last day and nobody on this earth know my name but Jesus and him say, well done, well done, well done. You took the two I gave you and you made two more. You took yeah. the one and you turned it into two. Good job. I, I want to hear that. I don't, wanna, I don't want my name to be in the paper. I don't want my name to be on the interwebs. And so I think, I think reject popularity, stay hidden. That's impo- it's impossible if you're going to, you have a job. And, and you make videos for your job, an incredible 80s video on the run coming up for United Way. People are going to know your name. So we're not saying, like, nobody should ever know your name. We're saying the motivation is that forget my name, see Jesus, mm-hmm. and know that I'm a representative and servant of Jesus. I'm a slave of Christ. That's it. Yeah. And, and so we're not saying when we stay talk about reject popularity, we're not talking about hiding in a dark room so nobody ever sees you. We're talking about make sure we set above us Jesus. Yeah, it, it's not a wrong thing to have a social media account for your church right. and to, to promote things going on. It's not wrong to have a big church. That's not what we're saying. Absolutely not. But if your goal I mean, we want is to be to, as big as we can be, right. you can come to three of our churches. We'd Sunday love to have mornings. you, yeah. yeah. And I think that's good because, I mean, we need to be doing that. That's right. Again, it comes down to that heart issue, though. It's what is your goal? Is your goal just to put butts in seats? Right. That's not building the kingdom. That's right. You know, you're, that's right. go seek out people, build relationships with them, share the gospel, live the gospel, Yeah. you know, then invite them yeah. to church. So you've built credibility. Yeah. As a, we're know. talking about emotionally healthy discipleship, yeah. not just big discipleship. We're right. talking about what's healthy. And sometimes little can be unhealthy and big can be unhealthy. We're talking about healthy, whether it's little or big. And, and frankly, I don't care which one. I just want it to be healthy because you've discovered, I've discovered, we've discovered in the worlds we run in that emotional, mental health is more vital than numerical health in any fashion, whether it's money, people, whatever it is, it's better. And dadgum if this isn't in the Proverbs. Yeah. It's better to have a few vegetables on a plate than a house full of feasting and strife. Mm. I mean, my God, that's written right in the Bible. 
And it's not like God didn't tell us. Right. It's just we want to be known. We want to be popular. We want as big as we can get, regardless of if it's healthy, and think we can just hang out and make it to the end. And that's just not what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not the way of Jesus. Yeah, no, that's why he rejects richism. Being rich and wealthy doesn't mean that's again bad right. thing to. Because I think sometimes he gives people wealth for a purpose. Yep. But if, again, if you're trying to accumulate that wealth and that's your purpose, he tells us it's easier. For what a camel to enter through the eye of a needle, right? Which is whatever he meant by impossible, that, it's yeah. impossible, right? Well, you just said something that's important. I want to bring it up because I wrote it in my notes. Ism, rich ism. Uh, Scazzaro makes a distinction between isms. He talks about because I because I, I the two I really pulled out is uh, popularity and success. Mm-hmm. The world says be successful. The kingdom says reject successism. Now, the ism is important because it's not like success. We're not saying, and Scazzaro is not saying, that success is evil. We're not. Success is good. If you set a goal, if my goal is to make it to lunch today, and before I get to lunch, having read my Bible passages that are assigned to me for the day, it's good to go after that and to get to lunch and go, got it done. That's not evil, right? right. What he's talking about is... Is that, um, and he's actually a quote from Frederick Bruner successism is a social, spiritual disease and source of false faith. So we're not talking about success, we're talking about successism. That is setting success above the place that it should be, as mm-hmm. opposed to uh, taking the right place uh, of being a motivation to get good things and right things done. So we're talking about worshiping success, regardless of what you're going after, as opposed to having kingdom ends and going after them. Yeah, it's all about defining and seeing success rightly. Yeah. Um, according to Jesus, success is becoming the person God calls you to become and doing what God calls you to do. Um, and then it's funny that you uh, quoted Bruner. Um, another th- quote that I have, I actually wrote down one as well, uh, the real threat behind success-driven temptation. He says, we will sometimes do absolutely anything to keep our work from failing. But the moment we do absolutely anything to keep our work for God from failing, we have made our work God. And perhaps mm. without realizing it, we have worshipped Satan. Ooh. And that kind of goes back to that working for God before working with him or being with him. Yeah. And um, it, it's, we've just, we have to define success according to the scriptures and according to how Jesus defined that as opposed to our worldly view. And that's what goes back to the whole topic to begin with is right. how to, you know, worshiping the biblical Jesus over this worldly view of Jesus. Same thing falls in with successism. That's right. You know, it, we've got to stop, as a churches, we've got to stop being like, oh, man, nobody got saved this week, so we're disobedient. Right. Maybe what you did was plant something in someone by just speaking the truth yeah. that 10 years later at a different church gets ignited. Right. And that's the person that we intended to get saved who becomes, you know, a Paul or you know, becomes that person that goes to the world who goes to that country that's never heard of Jesus that's and, right. and builds a church there. That's right. And so, or, or numbers in church, you know, numbers of attendance. I can't tell you how many times I've heard stories from people, friends of mine who are on staff at churches where they're like, yeah, this the pastor came in and just completely tripled what the actual attendance was just to put in our report because it wanted to just look like we had all these people coming. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, Man, that's a dangerous slope. It's a dangerous slope. Yeah, it, it's the idea to appear successful because we get recognized at the annual meeting of whatever denomination we're part of. or um, and, and, and what happens is the ism takes something good and turns it into something idolatrous. 
It's the idea of achieving any success we choose at any cost. And, and the truth of the matter is um, it's easy to use because in our denomination, most people don't talk about covenantal membership. Membership, and, and I hear this continually, is they walk the aisle, fill out a card, and they're members. Mm-hmm. And, and legitimately, the predominant number of fellowships in our tribe do it that way. We, we are one of the very few who actually have a six-week class. We talk about who we are, vision, mission, our strategy, and our tactics. We talk about what the covenant is, like what's expected of you, what you can expect of us. And you sign that, and you agree to that. Now, here's the deal. Covenant means jack to most people. It's a covenant until I'm tired of it and want to go somewhere else. And yeah. then they just break the covenant. And if we equated that to marriage, it'd be like, Jennifer got on my nerves today. I'm out. Check. Bye. Yeah. And it's like, so, so, and here's my point in saying that. Successism says make it as easy as possible inflate the numbers as much as possible, regardless of the constant fluctuation and emotional unhealth of people leaving and breaking each other's <laughs> hearts, you know, building relationships and walking off from people. Forget that. Numbers are big. But but, but em, emotional health says, no, um, let's have, it's better to be healthy and real and fight for true and good and holiness and maturity. Um, it's better it's better to have less doing that than more not doing that. So ism turns the numbers into what we're worshiping and, and what yeah. we're seeking to get from people. And and the worldly Jesus says embrace that. The kingdom says reject that. Yeah, yeah, totally. The world says your success will be driven by what you see. Like there's the, you got to have these results, and, they, and they've got, you've got to get these wins. Right. Jesus says to be successful, just follow me. Be yeah. obedient to my word and do you know, do what I say. Follow me and do what I say. Yep. Let him take care of the results. Mm. I think you said this already. Uh, Scazzaro says in regard to success, the kingdom way is becoming the person God calls you to become and doing what God calls you to do in his way and according to his timetable. That helps me. Yeah, I mean, look at it. Jesus, his beginnings weren't great, right? He was born <laughs> in a barn in a, yeah. small, a small town to a couple of nobodies. Um, his disciples weren't great. They were these average Joes at best. I mean, we were fishermen, tax collectors. You know, they weren't necessarily unsuccessful, but it wasn't like he went to all these really fancy, you know, two or three degrees, you know, scholars right. or super successful businessmen. Um, his ministry wasn't great. <laughs> that sounds almost weird to say, but by our standards, in other words, right. most of his work was in smaller towns, not in this big spotlight in the big cities with the most people. Yeah. Um, he, in fact, he was rejected by the, the church. I'm using air quotes here by, you know, the Pharisees, by government leaders, by church leaders. He was rejected by them constantly, which led to his death. Right. Um, he did, he had no interest in popularity or success from that regard. His sole purpose was obedient to the father. Come and follow me. Yep. And I'll make you fishers of men. Yeah. I love, as you were talking about his, like I had this, picture and it's totally relevant to today jesus had some christian nationalists the zealot he had levi who worked for the for the government so he was a pink-blooded liberal you you had a bunch of bass fishermen in there in the middle and it's like he had this whole crew of nut job guys that uh that that didn't fit into anybody's view of success because that wasn't the point he is the point and he transformed hearts and those who didn't want it walked away. But that became the reason we're here today in Rome, Georgia. 
So he took a bunch of misfits because it was about him. Mm-hmm. Success was following and obeying him. And he turned those meager offerings of a pink blooded liberal who worked for the Romans and a bunch of, and a dude. I mean, you ever wonder what happened to Simon the Zealot? He was the Christian nationalist. He was one wanting to overthrow the government and reinstitute a national kingdom. Boy, that's kind of speak. Anyway, I'm going to stop. So, Chris, what you, you? I'm sure you got some more stuff. I've, I have exhausted all of my observations, lest I start uh, parroting Scazzaro, and we want people to read the book. Yeah, if you remember a few episodes back, and we've kind of hit on these. You know, Scazzaro points out the difference between worldly discipleship and Jesus' discipleship. Right? Worldly right. discipleship says be popular, be great, be successful, and avoid suffering and failure. Jesus' discipleship says reject popularity, reject greatnessism, reject successism, and embrace suffering and failure. And I kind of just hit a l- little bit here as we get ready to wrap up um, that suffering and failure piece. You know, we don't like failure in the West. Right. Uh, we, In fact, most places don't even, we don't tolerate it. Uh, we don't tolerate, uh, we're in this, um, and I'm losing the, the thing here, but the, somebody said something wrong on Twitter, and then now we... You know, no, we fire them. with them. Yeah, we fire them. Right. They have to make an apology. Uh, they have to, that they probably don't mean, or maybe they do mean, but the, either way, right. cancel culture. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, man, thank goodness that's not the gospel. <laughs> thank um, But, you know, there's so much to be learned in failure and in weakness. Sometimes mm-hmm. we lose that job so that we learn to trust in him to provide, not ourselves. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have that flat tire because he's protecting us from what would be a really bad crash up ahead. Um, it's imperative we go through hard things, face adversity, and learn to weather storms, not alone. It's funny you mentioned that story of Jesus in the storm. That's if ever, Somebody ever asked you, like, if you could be, if you could go back and be there present for anything, like, in history, like, that's always one of my first, I just, I picture Jesus a little bit sarcastic at times in a, in a holy way. Like, I can imagine, be like, guys, I'm trying to sleep here. <laughs> Did you forget I'm king of the world? Like I made these uh, this ocean. I made the wind and the waves. I can calm it down. Right. Stop. You know. Stop crying and screaming. Stop being scared. I got this. Right. Let me get some sleep. You know. I don't know that he said it that way. That's yeah. you know. That's Chris's interpretation of the scriptures <laughs> uh, a little bit. But um, you know, one of the, it's just I appreciate one of the things I appreciate about you guys, our elders and our leaders, is understanding the importance of transparency. Like I want a pastor and I want leaders that are willing to say, you know what? I'm going through some stuff and it's hard. Not the one that's like just appears that nothing's ever wrong or that we've never, that we did something wrong or we, we, that we, you know, we don't fail here. I get, I think we have to understand it's okay to fail. It's okay to suffer for Christ. um, Because the truth is people in general, we don't like hard. We don't like tension. Right. Um, we like we don't like to be reminded of our wretchedness and our depravity, right? Because um, that's hard to deal with. Um, right. But mm. what I wanted to finish with today, and I think it just ties in I, as a as a worship leader, as a musician. You know, I love the old hymns because I think the language in the old hymns, not no number one, most of them are very biblical, right? And they don't shy away from hard things. We don't sing a lot of them in all the churches because right. <laughs> want to sing about those things right but right. one of my favorite hymns is called jesus i my cross have taken it's from henry light wrote in 1833 it's one we do at three rivers a lot mm-hmm. uh, it's one people enjoy which is weird to say because i i just i just want to read the words real quick if we can do that to yeah. end, because i think these words kind of accomplish a lot of that 
Uh, it says, Jesus, I, my cross, have taken all to leave and follow thee. Destitute, despised, forsaken, thou from hence my all shall be. Perish every fond ambition, all I've sought or hoped or known. Yet how rich is my condition. God and heaven are still mine own. Let the world despise and leave me. They have left my Savior too. Human hearts and looks deceive me. Thou art not like them untrue. And while thou shalt smile upon me, God of wisdom, love, and might, foes may hate and friends disown me. Show thy face and all is bright. Hmm. Go then, earthly fame and treasure. Come disaster, scorn, and pain. Because in thy service pain is pleasure. With thy favor loss is gain. I have called the Abba Father. I have set my heart on thee. Storms may howl and clouds may gather. All must work for good to me. Man may trouble and distress me, twill but drive me to thy breast. Life with trials hard may press me. Heaven will bring me sweeter rest. O, oh, tis not in grief to harm me while thy love is left to me. O, oh, twere not in joy to charm me were that joy unmixed with thee. Take my soul, thy full salvation. Rise or sin and fear and care. Joy to find in every station something still to do or bear. Think what spirit dwells within thee. What a father's smile is thine. What a savior died to win thee. Child of heaven, should still, should thou repine. The last verse. Haste thee on from grace to glory, armed by faith and winged by prayer. Heaven's eternal days before thee. God's own hand shall guide thee there. Soon shall close thy earthly mission. Swift shall pass thy pilgrim days. Hope shall change to glad fruition, faith to sight, and prayer to praise. That's following the Jesus of the Bible, not the worldly Jesus. Man, that's solid. I can't think of a better way and a better place to stop. That's a good word. Chris, thank you, my friend. It's been a joy. My pleasure. Guys, we appreciate you guys listening to us and, and your engagement, and uh, we would really appreciate it, particularly if you're a Three Rivers person. Share this with your small group. Um, get folks to listen. Uh, it provides some content for you to help you um, join us in a conversation, help shape your thinking. Um, and uh, one of our aims is to make sure we have some content for our people to help us shape our thinking. We have uh, hours in the week, and uh, they're, most of them have to be filled with work and life and doing things. And it's easy to fill our minds with other things that take us away from the kingdom of God. So we want to make sure we provide some content and some discussion to help shape your thinking and your discussion to help us achieve the mission of making sure we present everyone mature in Christ. So we hope you'll join us, share this. And for folks outside of three rivers, we'd love it if you would, uh, you'd also, uh, like and share. And, uh, and so even though our primary aim is our, church we also recognize a lot of other folks listen to this and we're grateful for that too and we appreciate you and we appreciate you listening participating with us thanks for the support some of you guys have uh financially supporting this podcast we have equipment and we have things and we haven't spent any of that money yet but but it's sitting there and someday uh lord willing we'll be able to increase uh, what we do and how we do it and we're grateful for your partnership with us so go to um theology in the dirt dot com and you can read the blogs you can uh, have access to the podcast go to restorationrome.org to read about what we do in our city and in our town and uh, continue to engage with us we appreciate you guys you'll have an absolute fantastic rest of your week out <laughs>